0: Well hello and welcome to Pod of the Gaps, my name is Aaron Edwards, I'm joined as always by the podcasters, to end all podcasters, uh, Andy <laughs> Bannister <laughs> and Michael Ott. What's an intro. How are you doing? In person again, like our last episode.
1: It's been fun sitting here having a cup of tea and also looking over at your bookshelf by the side of your desk and you can tell a lot about a man from his... Uh, <laughs> His bookshelf. So we have, uh, Hannah Arendt on, uh, totalitarianism, J.R. Tolkien. And I'm really worried there's a book with a large title called Misogyny.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm assuming
1: <laughs> that's a book about why it's wrong, not a book about how to do it, because in which case that might be the end of our podcasting that's friendship.
0: It. We'll have to, sit. we'll save that for our feminism episode. Yeah. That's a brief history of misogyny, um, which is obviously, uh, speaking about it, which I haven't actually read. I started reading really, it and I'm getting into it and I'm doing some stuff on gender. Um, writing or something about it. So, thought it'd be interesting to see how people, de- how people uh, get into that. Anyway, over the summer, I had an interesting time. We were obviously all away on holidays in different mm. places. I went down south mm. and we found, uh, hidden away in, in the depths of, of, uh, Brighton and Hove, um, a Christian <laughs> bookshop, bookshop in the middle of a, just a random residential area. We were like, oh, how interesting. Okay. It was a bit of a throwback. Um, lots mm-hmm. of, uh, new books, obviously. Um, and they had a whole room above called the mm. Upper Room. Uh, which was all secondhand, books, which is obviously far more exciting because uh, you don't know what quite what you're going to get. And one of the books that I found in a second-hand bookshop...
1: <laughs> I look like I'm doing a visual aid. Yes. For you guys. <laughs> the Atheist Didn't Exist.
0: By Andy Bannister. Look at this. I don't know, Michael, what, what you're with this. It's almost yes. as if, almost as if, it's never been read. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're just really. You, you someone know, the, no,
2: no, no. You know, someone valued the book very highly. Oh look, and it's didn't want it's, to...
1: be, it's been underlined. Honestly, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> trust me, listeners. It's there's underlined. a two, two pounds. pounds. <laughs> two
0: pound for a bra- essentially a brand new Andy. It's only three pounds to start with, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: It's more than I got
0: paid to write it. Yeah, <laughs> there we are. So that was fun. And the other book I found. Is this a Michael Lotts book? No, we, so we were, oh, a, we, we were clearing they're out. Not that old. We were clearing out a house of a, of a relative of a Molly's in, uh, in Norfolk. Um, so, but basically we we're in there and, and we we're kind of clearing out. And we obviously said, you know, take whatever books you kind of want. And I was looking over the books, I was thinking, okay, who is this author? Like, this interesting book called The Luggage of Life. Oh, yes. And I was like, and then I noticed, I was like, oh, that's an interesting title. I thought, I'll take that one. But I kept seeing the same author. I was like, who is that person? F.W. Borum. now our faithful listeners will know they've only ever heard the name F.W. Borum from the lips of of the writer of The Atheist Who Didn't Exist Andy Bannister and I was like yeah I'm going to take Andy Bannister's recommendation I've got F.W. Borum's Lovely old book here, and this old dust jacket from when would be the tw- 1915? Uh, yeah, no, ni- uh, yeah. yeah, first nineteen 1912. 1912 this first one. edition. And mm. this one, 21st edition, I've got is 1954. I don't know if that's worth anything. Anyway, yeah. but I then got like all the other F.W. Borum books on the shelf. Mm. So I now have, Andy, like 12 F.W. Borum volumes. Whether that's, you know, helpful to you or not, I can, you know, I could lend them to you at price. You know, you you can, you know, so it'll be quite interesting. But uh, Mm. but it's interesting. It got us into uh, thinking about this topic of old books. So you look at some of these older authors, they write differently, don't know There's something different about them. It's not that they're always good because they're old. But it Mm. links back to that episode we did on uh, how or why reading Mm. can change the world. Mm. And we referred there to that famous C.S. Lewis quote on the reading of old books. He wrote a short essay Um called on the reading of old books as a foreword to his uh, a book that was published a a kind of new edition of Athanasius's book on the incarnation and Athanasius was kind of one of the early church fathers a very very old book indeed and Lewis was trying to say look for every book you you know for a certain amount of books you read today you ought to balance that out by reading older books as well and the reason for that is not that older books are inherently better and, and they don't have errors and they clearly there's loads of errors in previous eras but we can see the good that they have they've they've, they've stood the test of time mm. and we are not able to see our own blind spots because we can see their blind spots and we can say okay there's some problems here and here and here what we are less able to see is our own blind spots mm-hmm. so in a 100 years from now what of the books of this era are going to be remembered we don't know that yet we don't know we don't know whether andy banister's Atheist yeah, didn't exist. It's right a classic. Now, right now, Absolutely it might be classic. in a charity shop, but in future years, they might like, oh, go, I can't believe they found that for two pounds. Mm. Poet's Corner, mate. 21st edition in, in 2054, mm. we'll find or
2: something. I guess in that way, it's a, it's a little bit like hymnology, isn't it, in the church? You mm. know, like, we forget that Wesley and Newton and, yeah, you know, they wrote hundreds, thousands of hymns. Absolutely. Um, we don't sing them all because some of them are rubbish. <laughs> and then people complain today and they're like, oh, these new music's all rubbish. And it's like, well, yeah, some of it is, but there will be songs that we sing today that we will still be singing. Yeah. Um, but but time, in a sense, you know, the test of time, the expression mm, mm, mm. Um, shifts... You know sifts out quality, mm-hmm. and so in a, in a way, when we're reading our books, the beauty is we now know in a way which ones are worth reading and which ones aren't because yeah. they're the ones that are still around yeah. that still, yeah. people Absolutely. still read. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right, and I think um
1: I think that sort of phrase that uh, whether it's in the same quote but also where you know, Lewis talks about mm. the kind of allowing the fresh breezes yeah. of history to blow yeah. through yeah. our mm. minds. No, I love the way he, he put that, and you introduced that mm. that um, you know. Christians are not immune mm. from jumping on bandwagons like mm. we all are, and there you know there are certain books mm. uh, that suddenly come into vogue and everyone's reading them. In fact, fun enough, I have never read you know, the Harry Potter series, mm. and the reason is not <gasps> for any—I know exactly—not for any spiritual reason mm. or anything. I've read plenty of fantasy, but it was because at the time everybody was reading it and mm. being countercultural. I was like, "Well, stuff it! In. I'm not going to read it." <laughs> um, now, at some point, I probably should. Um but see, what
2: I did is I just wait, waited for everyone to have read it first. And then you and then it. I read it later, thinking, you know, yeah. I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. I'll just jump a see, bit late. Yeah. The, only, the only problem was, by that point, of course, everyone had, like, let on what happens at certain points. Yeah, so they right, kind of ruined it. Yeah, but, yeah.
1: yeah exactly. So, um, but of course, yeah, so Christians do this, right? There's the late, whatever the latest book everyone's talking mm. about. Um, and I think one of the nice things about this, like, you know, nothing wrong with you books. I mm. love... I love reading new books, but as you say, is the, is the older stuff. Mm. The hype has died down. Some of the dross has, has, gone away. But the funny thing is, though, at the mm. same time you say that, one of the things, the challenges with old books and why I think it's good to, you know, talk with others, you know, browse in old bookstores mm. and so mm. forth. Yeah, there's the classics. Right. And in terms of sort of Christian history, I mean, there's 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 writers who are famous, you know, Spurgeon, for example, going further back, you've got the Reformers and you mentioned Athanasius, mm-hmm. you know, which have stood the test of time everyone knows about. One of the things I liked about Borum when I came across him... And um, yeah, exactly. I've been a champion of him for some, mm-hmm. some time. I found him uh, through Ravi Zacharias. and We've talked about Ravi's fall mm-hmm. uh, from 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 Grace in uh, yeah, mm-hmm. previous episodes. But there was a good stuff I learned mm-hmm. from, from Ravi. Yeah. And Ravi had discovered Boram. And his time, he was talked about, as um, Boram was talked about as being one of the most influential preachers of his generation. Mm-hmm. But because of when he, when he lived, and then because of where he lived, Australia, which yeah. back in the early 1900s mm-hmm. really was the back end of, of nowhere, to go, then he sort of mm-hmm. fell from... Popularity, but I mean, his stuff is absolute dynamite. And then when I read mm. the first one, I think for me it was uh, "Mushrooms on the Moor," another one he wrote. Mm. Um, just discovering that he has this incredible voice, uh, who has a perspective on things that I don't see, mm. um, tells me things I wouldn't read elsewhere. And yeah, I'll read Borum occasionally. And go, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, but other things I'm, oh, I haven't thought about that. Mm. And so I think it's not just the classics; it's also just finding those nuggets of wisdom mm-hmm. um, from men and women who have lived through different times, who've been faithful and their generation of Oram's case. I mean, he lived through, you know, two, he fought him or oh, lived through two world wars. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, migrated from one side of the world to the, to the other, left everything. And just this incredible life of ministry. And then right mm-hmm. side of that, that wisdom. So there are some amazing resources out there that we, we miss if we just go, okay, what is the Christian Twitter sphere mm-hmm. talking about? Let's
2: just read what's in the, in the, in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think I just underline that I, I get really frustrated quite often when basically every Christian I know is reading the same book. And then a few times I've been like, oh, I probably should read it. And I start reading yeah. it. I just think it's not actually that good. Yeah. And but no one dares say it. And I wonder whether almost you know sometimes it's just like it's now accepted that this is the book everyone has to say is wonderful. And then people actually read it. And it's like, you know, we can be honest about this. And, you know. Different people might find some books more helpful than others. I had the
0: same with my theology of preaching and dialectic. It felt like it was just going viral, you know, like <laughs> fifteen people. I think. What well,
1: is? It is absolutely a. A page turn, and I, you know, we talked in previous episodes about the fact you've had a film crew on the on the Cliff College campus. I think actually, Michael he's been modest. He claimed it was a Bollywood production, which I mean, that's the, I mean, really a Bollywood production coming to the middle of Derbyshire, and no. really filming the movie of the book, and Tom Cruise about his height.
2: So yeah. I think there's, I
1: think I, we can see what's going on here. I heard that it was um, a bit of a train crash. But The other thing with the old the old book piece, of course, it connects, mm. doesn't it, to our previous episode because in the previous mm. episode um, you know, assuming every listener listens avidly to every episode we do, <laughs> we talked about homeschooling. Mm. And obviously Aaron, you and I are both kind of advocates for that. And one of the things that we like, and I don't know if this is mm. true for the curriculum that you, that you use, the the, mm. the homeschool curriculum that we bought, um, one of the joys of the of homeschooling, you don't have to follow the national curriculum, mm. you can do what you can do or anything, is a very book-based curriculum. So as well as more modern yeah. stuff, yeah. our kids are engaging with The classics, and it's yeah. fantastic. One of the yeah. best buys, or actually, best buys that came in the package of mm-hmm. books was, um, I think it's Osborne, who are not a Christian yeah. publisher, mm-hmm. have done this a fantastic condensed version of the plays of Shakespeare. Yeah. Each play is written in about 10 pages, with uh, you know, and it's not a simple text, it's probably written at like 11 12 year old reading level. Pictures are great, uh, you know, my kids love it. So, my, my daughter, who's eight, with a bit mm-hmm. of help, has read it. My son loves it being read to him. The result is. They now know the works of Shakespeare yeah. hmm. infinitely better than I do. Who would consider himself hmm. educated, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they love it. They're hugely yeah. excited. It is a phenomenal. I think we just book. got that book last week. Actually, yeah, and yeah. to go. That's an yeah. example of. of yeah. In one sense, an old book, mm. the, the mm. works of Shakespeare, mm. a classic, but beautifully yeah. condensed into yeah. a mm. form without losing stuff. It's not. It's not watering down. It's simply yeah. making amazing. it accessible. I um,
0: think we've had the same thing with, with homeschooling. In the sense that that's what it's been quite expensive, obviously, to buy secondhand books as so you, you, mm. you have different kind of curriculum. We, we've follow the charlotte mason curriculum and they have loads of amazing resources online for it but so often they're pushing you to again familiarize yourself with those books of the Mm. test of time which you do Mm -hmm. not get Mm -hmm. in the current education system Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they're trying to push the latest ideologies the latest Mm -hmm. ideas which have been tested out for about five minutes to see whether they actually are um, worth pursuing at the level we do so but but the great thing about some of these old books Mm. And that we've been by their worth. Sometimes the secondhand ones are, can be expensive. You have to find them on eBay. You've got to find them from Mm. shipped over from America or somewhere. Sometimes you find great deals here and there. Mm. So it's not all terribly expensive, but it's just, you have to kind of think about that. But the thing about these books is they're unencumbered by a lot of the trappings today Mm. of how people have to talk and write. Mm. So on one level, as you say, Andy, you might read F.W. Borum and go, Oh, he doesn't know something that we know. But more often than not, you'll read some of these authors and go, they are not laden down with the kind of caveats we have Mm -hmm. to be laid down to talk about stuff. They can talk a little bit more generally about things and not feel like, oh, I'm not allowed Mm. to talk like this in any way. Mm. And I'm not talking about people using actually dangerous views, Mm. which are generally heinous. I'm just talking about being able to sum things up, being able to make broader connections between themes and topics, to Mm. to speak at that wider level. Mm. And postmodernism, the kind of era in which we live, is forcing you to specialize because it's saying you shouldn't be so arrogant to assume you can make any connection between knowledge Mm. or Mm. theme or subject and actually previous generations even early to mid 20th century Mm. you have so many writers c.s lewis being one of them Mm. um who is sort of making general connections and able to speak truth that that, that most people are like yeah that rings Mm -hmm. true for me and i'm thinking that they were educated well to the the extent where they're versed in the classics Mm. they can read and write properly and they can actually make those connections. Now we're almost like, oh, I can't possibly speak on that. I'm only a specialist in this tiny yeah. area.
1: It's kind of. I was going really to. to f- it's it. funny, you, you know, we think so many of a lot of the stuff because I was going to. Um, I was going to affirm exactly the same thing. I think one of the things I've appreciated, uh, reading, you know, older older writers, you know, men and women writing, you know, even sort of fifty years ago, but certainly hundred years or so ago ago more, is because education was broader then, as you say, because we specialized. Is their ability to dip into into things and connect and connect those dots. The other thing, by the way, um, you know, just to give a, a sort of plug for you know looking into old books. I mean, they can cost a lot of money. Equally, you can rummage in secondhand bookstores, yeah. and one of my favourite places to go for, for UK kind of listeners or visiting Americans, once travel opens up a bit, is, is Hay on why. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. has I think last count, well, last time we yeah. went there a few years ago had 38 second secondhand bookstores that's amazing and my the wife, highest
2: density I think of second hand bookstores yeah. in the world and my, um,
1: and, and my wife and I had an amazing day because what we did we, you know, it was back in the days when I was, I was a student so we were on one income we, we mm. hadn't got a lot of money but what we did is we gave ourselves each a budget of 20 quid <laughs> and we kind of we had fun we went, we, we went away for two hours mm. each and met again for lunch mm. and then two hours each and then we sort of shared what we'd found wow and we got like, some real treasure troves. That's I'm in one. Quranic studies as my specialism. I've got this beautiful old edition of the Quran that probably actually was worth about 50 quid and the right, story, right. I didn't know what they'd got. Right. And I'm all kind of amazing. Things. But right. one other thing right. I love about old books mm. as a little sort of, you know, plug for reading them. This, this edition that i of, of, of Borum you've got here that I'm flicking through. If only you could see mm. this at home. Um, doesn't exhibit this, but often you buy old books is I love some of the little sort of personalized things. Yes. It mm. connects you to Christians from the past. And sometimes yes. today we are so, we are so sort of historically unaware we forget that mm. we stand, you know, surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, as Hebrews puts it. Mm. And I love the fact that some of my older books, you know, seeing where the previous readers have underlined yeah. things. One of my one of my more recent copies of Borum, I forget which one of his I just I just bought the other month, has got a beautiful dedication in the front mm. that I think a grandmother had bought and and, and written <laughs> to their, their yeah. grand and just yeah. commending them in the faith. Yeah. And I mean, it was written sort of nineteen thirty four or something. I was wonderful. like it's just does that you're, you've got that connection to history. And I think anything that connects us a bit more to history mm. is not a bad thing.
2: Yeah, and one of the things I've found really... Ha- Amazing. When you think about what you are doing when you're reading is you're basically, you know, you're getting the condensed wisdom of an individual um, yeah. communicated to you. Um, something that happens often, in, you know, you go to the Christian conference and you've got a you know, big well-known speaker or whatever. People are like, oh, can you get on their table at dinner? You know, wouldn't it be well, great to have 10 minutes with, you know, whoever it is, Don Carson or whatever. Andy I think actually, or Andy Bannister. Yes. I mean, there's a big queue for it's his a, table. A two pound. <laughs> <laughs> but But actually, when I'm reading someone's book, I am getting their condensed wisdom. Anytime I like. And yeah. now, of course, you know, go to a Christian conference. You can meet Christians who are alive today. But, but the beauty that we can tap into the wisdom of Christians of previous generations who are no longer with us, yeah. um, but actually to listen to their voice mm. and, and to listen to their voice often when it speaks prophetically yes. into our culture. So I yes. think one of the reasons why Lewis is so popular still today is that when you read C.S. Lewis, you realize he was prophetic in the sense yeah. that he could see trends in culture. And, you know, you think, you have to stop yourself and think this was written 60 years ago. And yeah. yet, in a way it could have been written yesterday mm. because he sees you know where culture yeah. in the west is going and so it still speaks with relevance and i think in a sense you know that's one of the other good reasons about reading older books because we can see well who who got it right in a sense yeah. you know yeah. who saw correctly where things were going maybe we need to listen to the people who read culture in such a way yeah. um, whereas you know other people maybe the test of time has shown mm. that actually they were completely Wrong. And and there's so much we don't mm. know as
0: well. So it's our, our the irony is in in the, in the kind mm. of postmodern West, we have are more advanced. We, we think mm. educationally mm. than ever. Mm. And some of these older writers are just infinitely better, mm. infinitely but very significantly <laughs> better educated mm. than any of us today. So we know we have access to more knowledge, mm. but we're still just human beings. Mm. In, in c- different kinds of communities, and different sort of subsets mm-hmm. of groups, mm-hmm. we can influence each other. But we are woefully educated, mm-hmm. all of us, uh, compared to previous generations, mm-hmm. including, I see, people with PhDs. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we are, Andy and I, are worst quality PhDs, I'm sure.
1: You speak for yourself pre- as <laughs> <episode>. um. <laughs> a
0: lot of But, you know, it, it, uh, there was a sense in which education has happened differently. So you can see that in the writing. We, we almost, we don't know what we don't know anymore mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because we're not well versed. Another writer mentioned Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, one who influenced Lewis, we've mentioned before a few times, is G.K. Chesterton. I was just retweeting mm. exactly what yes. you said mm. of him the other day. Mm. I keep seeing these amazing quotes yeah. coming up, and just thinking, goodness me, it really was written like as though it was five minutes yeah. ago, not not a yep. whole hundred years ago or so. Um, and he really is on the money with so many things about, about mm. as you say, looking mm. at what the culture is and looking at the trajectory. Mm. And he would have been called an alarmist in his time in mm. the Edwardian England mm. era. Mm. And so mm. it's amazing to see the kind of things that he, mm. he was able to say that, that mm. the call out where certain ideas mm. are going. If you take this seriously, you, do you realize in yeah. 100 years' time or in 10, 15, 20 years' time, this is what's going to happen? Mm. I and mean, that's where, where we're seeing that, and people have
1: predicted it, they've prophesied it, as it yeah. were, so mm. in those kind of ways. Yeah. Now, I think there's a, lot to be, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? Because one thing. You know, I learned kind of early on in life and, and I've seen, you know, played out more and more and more. I think it's perhaps even more important for, for younger generations today. See, I, I turn 50 next year, so I can really talk in this grandfatherly way. <laughs> is, you know, if you are able to talk or reflect on where an idea has come from, mm. it is actually much easier to challenge it. So, I, you know, I have lots of friends, university students. And, you know, it's been interesting watching Christian university students who know mm. enough of the history of ideas and have done mm. that bit of old reading when they come across some piece of wokery or nonsense on campus. Mm. It is actually really interesting if you can go, that's a really interesting idea. You know, you know where that comes from? Yeah. Yeah? Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll win the argument, but immediately you've got a front mm. foot. Yes. Because yes, you mm. can trace it. Yeah. Can trace it back because most people would parrot this stuff without knowing where it comes from. Yeah, i always
2: so, found that very helpful in the kind of science talk where people come up with the, you know, like, we can't believe anything that's not scientifically proven. So That's very interesting. There was a school of philosophy called logical positivism and that basically got debunked because it was internally inconsistent yeah. over 100 years ago. Yeah, so on so, the woke stuff, yeah. the ability yeah. to trace it back into, yeah. uh, you know, sort of Derrida der- 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 and others and sort mm. of show
1: where that's mm where that's come from so i think Mm -hmm. i think firstly i think Mm -hmm. uh, i think that can be very helpful Mm -hmm. and the other thing i was going to throw in very interesting the other uh, you know you may if people sort of say oh why are you reading that old stuff the other thing i found Mm -hmm. is interesting to say to people Mm -hmm. both christians but also my secular friends too um who occasionally raise eyebrows Mm -hmm. at my reading matter (laughs) i say look we know in an age that is ever more attuned to diversity Mm -hmm. and i think that's important i think it's important you know we're very conscious we're three Mm -hmm. guys doing this show it's important that we read you know, female writers, mm-hmm. it's important as as Europeans that we read, you know, African and Asian mm-hmm. writers, but it's important as 21st century mm-hmm. postmoderns, we read older writers. So let's have racial diversity, let's have, you know, gender diversity now reading, and let's jolly well have chronological yeah. Yeah. diversity. But it's funny how those first two are pushed up. Yeah, yeah but the latter tends to get That's really good point. ignored. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Because it does link into the ideology mm. that we've inherited now, which we don't question, mm.
0: which again is why what you're we both saying is so right. Mm. Um, mm. I'm, I'm laughing by the way that Andy's being really, really brilliant and <laughs> diligent with his cup of tea, because we're, we're recording this on, the, on a desk, and I can see him just painstakingly taking about a minute to put his cup down so it doesn't Whereas it.
1: Michael was just like... <laughs>
2: That's right, he doesn't need it. I've held training. mine in my hand through the entire podcast. Yeah, well done. That's
0: good. I, I put mine on a mouse mat, just
2: a yeah. kind of cushion. I way. was laughing because Andy was putting it down very gently and then sliding yeah, it across, right. and I reckon the sliding sound oh, well, is what the make noisy the... that. What well, well, it's, it's funny,
1: way. isn't it? Because we were, you know, uh, you know, a moment ago, I don't know if the listeners heard one of your kids came in, <laughs> and one of the funniest things is a slight tangent, right? There is nothing funnier than a small child trying to move quietly. Like my <laughs> my son is normally not too not too bad, but when Chris, who's six, tries to move quietly. That's when there's bangs, there's crashes, yeah. things fall over. So it's like always... when they
0: whisper, like whispering like
1: this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's crazy. Yeah, anyway, I've completely forgotten whatever I was going to say. Oh yeah, about? ideologies. That ideologies. It like, so mm. it was the things you were both saying there about mm. being able to diagnose the roots, the mm. genealogy of the ideology, mm. uh, where people. The mm. reason why that's powerful mm. is because it, the ideologies are things you assume to mm-hmm. be true, mm-hmm. and you don't ever need to th- question them. It's a bit like. What was the famous thing? I forget who said this, the um, Mm. thing about the two fish in the water. How's the water today? Mm.
1: Oh, that was... um, I'll come back there in a minute. That was uh, David... um, Foster Wallace. Foster Wallace, thank you. Uh, This is water.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and so it's
1: like, you wouldn't ask that because
0: fish just... uh, We swim in that water. We don't ask how it is. We don't know there's a different kind of option. Mm. Mm. Uh, And so I think this is the thing today, With the scary thing is we can see, hang on, the Mm. other generations are often going... Mm. What? This is crazy. And mm. people are going, oh, no, this is just assumed. You mm. just have to know this. Mm. And we have this narrativization of history where all this bad stuff used to happen, misogyny, mm. Mm. Um, slavery, used, you know, and all this. We're now trying to kind of edge our way out mm. of these things. We've been had loads mm. of great civil rights. Um, there's a the narrative of progress. Yes. And so it does make everyone go, well, sure. Or might have mm. said some great stuff, but he mm. was talking at a time when at the very same time there was segregation happening in the mm. States, even though he's in Australia. There's all sorts of other things happening. There's, there's sort of system, mm. systemic misogyny and therefore everything else everyone mm. thought at that time is tainted. It's mm. like yes. infected with a kind of cancer. Think, that is a really bizarre thing to say. And as if we are not at mm. all in fact
1: well, anything think, well exactly it's to go I think what's really interesting and, and I agree that's everywhere, and you look you know as we write this to go it seems scarcely a day goes by without the story of you know some statue getting cancelled uh, <laughs> you know or some university purging its <laughs> reading list mm. and I found one interesting pushback there is to go you know most people, even those who don 't have any Christian faith, are very in favor of the golden rule, you know do unto mm-hmm. others as they would have to do unto you, and it 's quite yeah. fun to say. Maybe we should be careful about the way we treat older writers, even those that we don't wholly Mm. agree with, because one day we will be the older generation. And it's so so, so that I don't think Mm. that occurs sometimes to many progressives today, Mm. actually, Mm. that, you know, okay, we look back 100, 200 years and we go, attempted to go, oh, really? They thought that? Mm. Well, 100 years forward, Mm. if we're not careful. And my hope would be that 100, 200 years on, uh, our descendants look back at this period and go, you know, they got some things wrong, Mm. but there were some brilliant writers and Mm. some brilliant things. Said, and they preserve the, mm. what we've done here. Mm. Um, but if we, you know, just sort of do firebomb the past, mm. Mm. the danger is we set a trend that we, you know, then they'll come for us. Yeah. So mm. treat the past
2: the way you would want yeah. the future to treat us. True. And Look, just yeah, go, on, Michael. Go. Well, no, 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 you say that, and then I'm going to say something else. <laughs> what do you mean that? you did not even <laughs> know going to say. I was assuming that was related to. It's I always wisdom. It's like, I, I, I was
0: just going to say three Michael points. On. I know. <laughs> It's nice. It's one point with eight subpoints. points. Okay. know this by now. In Latin. Yeah. <laughs> now, what you said, even with the firebomb analogy, I'm thinking of James 3, which I was talking about with some mm. students yesterday, one of my lectures on preaching, um, was the, the significance of how we use the
1: tongue.
0: Mm. Uh, and we don't often think of what James says there um, relating to how preaching works, but also mm. just leaders and how they conduct themselves, how they use their tongue, and how it can shape and mm. shift Generationally. So I think there's been a failure of leadership as to mm. how this has happened because they haven't actually valued wisdom of the past. Mm. And they've been, as you both of them are saying, what's the latest thing? What's the latest ministry book? Mm. The latest buzz mm. book? What's the latest perspective? What are we supposed mm. to believe now? Mm. Oh, okay, brilliant. And not questioning it because it's kind of politically advantageous to mm. go with the flow. Um, and James is saying, actually, you shouldn't, not many of you should aspire to be teachers mm. um, because the tongue is a very powerful instrument and it can set a small flame can set a whole forest on fire. Yeah. A small rudder can direct a ship yeah. in a completely different direction mm. across the oceans. And we you know, we look at culture and you look at the church and you think, what are we feeding on? What are, what are, our, what are our tongues mm. doing? Well, so you can always take the analogy further. And say, what are our pens doing? Mm. What are we doing to try to influence the next generation mm. in terms of the things we write and therefore
2: also what the things we read? Mm. That's great. Uh, what I was—I oh, no, know—I don't think I'm actually the host. I'm, are you the host, Aaron? <laughs> I, really? I forgot who's the really? host.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, You can yeah. say something. But like I was—I was going was to say talk
2: something, about. but I also ask a question because I think to ground this, cause I'm conscious of the time. Um, maybe it'd be really helpful to give three book recommendations um, that are older books and why. Okay, and I'll start, and that gives you a chance to, to think. So, um, so each? yeah, yeah, Nine, but right, really, really okay, quickly. Great, great. So, so books that I've read recently. So Alexander Solzhenitsyn, mm-hmm. Gulag Archipelago, classic. Yeah, yeah. So I've just stolen. And he's, um, he's <laughs> tutted as if it was like, oh, uh, this is why I want to get him first. Um uh yeah, Partly because history repeats itself or ideas come up again and again. And I think reading that and seeing the influence of of Marxism and then seeing how neo-Marxism affects mm-hmm. the world today or is affecting the world was was massively helpful. Um, we mentioned Lewis already, um, partly for his prophetic writing. You know, read The Abolition of Men. In a way, it's kind of hard work until you get to the last two pages. Oh, no! That's my
1: second! (laughs) What, what does it oh, say? No. What did the just scri- say? All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. That's
2: <laughs> well, That's it's two you, down.
0: <laughs> you've been touting it all well, we Basically, so many. At your we should
2: weekend. rename this podcast whatever we are going to name it. But we That's should right. rename it. You know, the three books that we've all read. Because we're espousing the yeah. benefits That's of. Re- right. But it's really easy because it's only three books. He's going
0: to say three F W Boreums that we've never heard of. I think. That's what Well, about. I wasn't going to recommend F W
2: The other person who is not quite so old, but she did die recently, was Helen Rosevear. She was a doctor um had the privilege of meeting her just um a couple of years before she died mm. um but i've read you know, most of the books that she's written her biographies yeah. and i find christians from previous generations have emphases that maybe we've lost yeah um and i think you know, there's a big emphasis in terms of you know doing ministry that's sustainable not burning out everything that's you know big thing in recent years mm. you know helpful yeah. um but i wonder whether partly we've emphasized that so much mm. um actually that sense of you know serving God is costly and it, mm, you know, mm. it's our lives and, and just something of the, the sacrifice that, that she went through for the gospel mm. um, really speaks up so I think there's a helpful corrective to some mm. of our emphases as yeah. Christians within yeah. the church today when we read Christians of a previous generation yeah, that's great. there are my three and I've okay. stolen two of them two of I'm desperately trying to
1: recover <laughs> no it's interesting I was also trying to think different periods and different mixtures and stuff. so okay <laughs> let me think of three off the top of my head I mean yeah obviously because I'm a big born fan and he's right in front of me um, so there's an not wide range of things he's written but I think uh, the, one of my favourite books by him that I'm actually currently reading is uh, the um, ah, wait a minute I forgot <laughs> the title so I'll go for the like, <laughs> this has this, this, this worked well doesn't it so mush, I'm going go for Mushrooms on the Moor <laughs> which, <is, laughs> which is the first Boreham book I, uh, I I read mm. and uh, that really switched me on to him. some brilliant insightful stuff in there but anything by by, by, by Borum, and mm. uh, in fact my sort of devotional pattern is that, uh, you know, I'll often start my devotions by reading a short essay mm. from Boreham. It kind of wakes you up. It's like a cold mm. bucket of water being thrown over you intellectually and waking up. Then I'll turn to the scriptures. Mm. So I, I sort of do a lot of stuff mm. daily with Boreham and find it incredibly helpful. So that's, that's the mm. third one. I'll now go completely different context and and different, uh, and, and in fact, different religious background. Um, reminded of the fact because you've got examples on your show of George Orwell, oh. mm. um, I mean, anything by, by Orwell, his mm. little essay on politics yeah. is amazing. Politics as language, I think, is, yeah. the, is the title. Yeah. Politics and the English language. Politics and the English language, thank you. Yeah. That is mm. an astonishingly oh, yeah. prophetic essay mm. on the way that people try to control political life mm. by playing yeah. with words. Mm. And yeah. if you want to understand the trends that led to today's kind of, you know, woke culture, mm. all mm. What is, is amazing. was It wasn't a Christian. Mm. And then, of course... Mm. 1984, which I've read, yeah. you know, many, many times. Mm. Um, you know, I think Lessing, when he read that, he was writing, he was write, wrote that he was writing a novel, not an instruction manual. People <laughs> misunderstood this, but Orwell, very, very, yeah. very uh, <laughs> prophetic writer. Yeah. And uh, and then thirdly, I would throw in there just for fun because I think one of the fun things about reading older writers, have some fun. Don't just really have to mm. read really heavy theology, home politics. There's a wonderful little book uh, by a guy called George MacDonald, who was mm. the writer who hugely yeah. influenced. C.S. Lewis, in fact, you yeah. could be argued is partly responsible mm. for C.S. Lewis's conversion. Um, I forget McDonald's dates. I mean, uh, end of the 1800s, uh, early 1900s, I think, from memory. And he wrote a f- fantastic little fairy tale called The Princess and the Goblin.
0: Yeah. It's
1: just a beautiful, mm. yeah. beautiful story. Actually quite Christian in places mm-hmm. without being deliberately Christian. You read it as a Christian, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, I see where that idea is coming from, but it's also great. So if you've got children, Mm -hmm. um, you know, suitable for any ages, sort of from sort of six to a hundred, really. But as I say, also. You know, just a beautiful use of language, beautiful use of imagery and storytelling, and you know, and you can think here is a man whose whose work on mm-hmm. sort of you know fairy tale and fiction and beauty and aesthetics and spirituality, massive influence mm-hmm. on C.S. Lewis. Arguably, if we didn't have George MacDonald, we wouldn't have C.S. We well, yeah, Lewis. Absolutely. Um, and again, you can buy it. that's been re- it's constantly reprinted. I think we've got an old, we've got a really old edition and a really new edition, which picked up about three quid. So mm-hmm. yes, so there you go. So all, all well. Uh, F.W. Borum, and George MacDonald, the Princess and the Goblin. Excellent. Well, that's all we've got time for on... uh...
0: (laughs) Hey! Yes, I mean, this is a very hard thing to be answered. There are just so many I could point to. I feel like when you choose one, you think, oh... What about all other others you've
1: missed out? Well, theologians do that to try and sound it, you know, okay,
2: educated. Oh, so oh, nearly so, like like <laughs> I can't
1: <laughs> say anything. You know, well Aaron's so looking struth. Does does JK Rowling count? <laughs> Tim Keller, he <laughs> was an <laughs> <he's laughs>
0: old writer, isn't he? He was a few years ago, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean there's so, obviously we mentioned some of it, oh well, I am not gonna put all Lewis, even though they're, they're fantastic, there's so many 20th century writers. I'd probably I'd probably put in terms of a really important book. I think people should be reading is G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy. I did mention mm. that earlier because mm. it's a book that, that actually demonstrates what we're talking about. Mm. It's kind of voiced in, it's steeped mm. in the kind of things of his own time, but also hearkening on wisdom and, and, and stuff through the ages. Some of it is like harder to read. Because he's dealing with stuff of the time, controversies, but mm. there's so many ge- uh, gems in there, so many essays in there, which are like absolute gold dust. So if you haven't read G.K. Chesterton's mm. Orthodoxy, you should. Obviously, anything I say uh, where Tolkien, Lewis, Orwell, all, all those guys are brilliant. But I want to go, let's go to another era. I'd probably say Martin Luther's The Bondage of the Will, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a chance, where he's sort of arguing with Erasmus mm. over the clarity of scripture and things like this. Those debates mm-hmm. feel like they have a perennial Mm. uh relevance especially by how we do origami with scripture today Mm. in order to try and excuse many of the texts which we find embarrassing i think luther the way that people were already doing that in the 16th century was really really good Mm. to see how he engaged with that and then let's go to echo c.s lewis because he was talking about athanasius um an early church father basically anything by augustine would be good um because augustine is just the dude um, who everyone loves and and all the traditions of the church think of Augustine is great but in terms of a specific one of the early church I really enjoyed uh, Irenaeus who's one of the early mm-hmm. again one earlier mm-hmm. than Augustine um, and there's a book you can get which is a condensation of his book Against Heresies which is a brilliant title by the way just Against Heresies is my <laughs> and um, he uh, there's a condensation that cuts out some of the superfluous material and focuses on some of the stuff they're engaging with and you can just get a sense of how these early church Um, and fathers who are Mm. both pastors and apologists and evangelists Mm. dealing with controversies Mm. as well as pastoring people preaching every week. And that they're doing all the stuff in one. They weren't these kind of academic theologians mm-hmm. in their ivory tower, separated from pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. It was all connected together. The life of the church mm-hmm. and the life of really deep thinking and scriptural engagement. So, so say, yeah, Irenaeus, Luther and Chesterton. But there's so many more we could say. As yeah. you could all say, more as well. But anyway, we digress, do we? No, we don't. We, we do. Just can come, we're coming yeah. into land then. I um, land. And I hope you found this uh, helpful episode. Um, and as always, we recommend if you like this, if you want to um, ask people to kind of mm. you know listen in, and if you find this helpful, you could subscribe, you could yeah. um, support us via Patreon, mm. you could like, and you could give us a review, yeah. you could share the episodes, and and if, if you're it, listening to this in 300 years' time ah. because you
1: believe in listening
0: to old podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> someone's going to write uh, on the re- on the listening of old podcasts one day. Yeah, they will. of the gaps will feature. We hope. We hope. Um, yeah. So anyway we'll see you we won't see we always do this wrong don't we we do well, well you'll hear us next time no. on Pod of the Gaps
1: and on that bombshell goodbye bye 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 bye